right, so we are here with Mel Dorion, blogger, budgeting, and money coach. She is the creator behind Modest Millionaires, and she discovered FIRE, so financial independence retired early, early in her career, and crafted a 10-year plan for her family to reach financial independence by 2025. But last year, she made the decision to do a one-year um, sabbatical, which we're going to talk about today. I'm super excited from her career as a public servant to test out that part-time entrepreneurship. And she's since decided to leave her government job. So lots to kind of unpack there. I'm super excited today. We're talking about planning for a sabbatical or career break. And Mel has got some firsthand experience that she's going to share with us. So welcome Mel. I'm super excited for today's chat. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to, to be here and, and what a great, uh, Thing that you're organizing for Canadian women to, to take control of their finances. Much needed resource and I'm excited to be a part of it. Awesome. So let's start from the beginning. What are sabbaticals? What are career breaks? Is there a difference between the two of them? That's an excellent question. Um, I kind of view sabbatical as being really like a bigger block of time, right? Like maybe a year, um, even six months could fit into that. I, I think the difference between the career break, which might be shorter, um, is that you might need to leave your place of employment if it's not possible to get a sabbatical, um, if they're not open to it. There are some careers where it's where there's options, like for myself in the public service, uh, but most people, for most workplaces, not necessarily. So there's different uh, elements that go into planning a longer-term break, uh, while a career break might be a month or so, which you could accrue vacation to do, or you could take a couple of weeks on, of un, unpaid leave tied with your vacation. So a little shorter, um, different types of planning. Okay, that's good to know. I uh, I do appreciate the short and the long. I think I want to take a lot of these, obviously. I think maternity leave, I'm currently on maternity leave. That to me is a bit of a break, career break. Not necessarily a break, trust me, it's hard work, but just a different shift. Um, how can you identify if one of these options still fits into your FI journey? So if you're like, I want to hit financial dependence, I don't want to work, you know, till I'm 65. How can we kind of navigate that with a sabbatical or career break? Um, I'd say the first place to really determine um, if, if it would fit would kind of be to figure out um, where you're at financially now, because different phases of your financial journey open up different doors and different type of freedom option that, that you could use. Um, for example, there's this thing called Coast Fi, which is defined as having enough in your investment portfolios so that you could stop contributing to them. And with the compound interest and the growth of the market, your investment portfolio could reach your full fine number or your target to be financially independent by the time you would traditionally retire. So this would mean that you don't necessarily need to uh, keep on saving 40, 50% of your income for people that have been on the fire journey, but even 20% change in revenue could mean that you could reduce your hours by 20% and just work to cover your expenses. So it's important to know where you're at. Do I still have high interest debt? that I might need to cover or, or keep on paying back at least the minimum payment during my leave. You need to consider this in your plan and then kind of figure out, well, this is where I'm at. Uh, these are my expenses. Another very important point. Um, expenses are something that people tend to think they have a good grasp on. And I find with the clients that come to me, um, they'll, they'll initially say, I have a pretty good grasp on my expenses. 
But then we start tracking and they end up depleting maybe their emergency fund to cover for something like, let's say, municipal taxes, which is not necessarily an emergency, right? It's something that reoccurs every year. Um, So the longer you track your spending, the more you have a concrete idea of what your cost of living is and how much you'll need to cover for the time that you'll be away but also how much, like how far away you're from your goal. If you want to be financially independent by the time you're 55, traditional retirement age, 65 or so, you still need to have a good grasp on where am I at? What are my numbers right now? What's the gap to get me there? And then look at that timeline and then use those numbers. And I love um, the tool cfiresim.com, which helps you project out and input your numbers and then play out different scenarios. So what will this give me if I expect 5% market returns? Um, I think I'm going to take a year completely off. So I'll put some money in savings and you can add uh, fictional numbers where you say, maybe I'll switch into a career that's lower income. Well, this, what does that do to my end goal, right? Which could be, um, which could be if you're using the 4% safe withdrawal rule, that's based on the safe withdrawal rate. This idea that based on historical market returns, you could have an investment portfolio that can always cover your cost of living by withdrawing 4%. So you can use um, a reverse effect of the 4% is 25 times your annual expenses, which goes into why it's so important to have a clear, concrete idea of your expenses, because that's your target. That's your fine number. That's when you have invested enough sufficiently to cover your cost of living. Um, So knowing how much you spend, what's your timeline to your objective, and then playing out different scenarios, trying to look into, okay, if I take several months off, how far away does that put me to reaching my fine number? What if I take that time off, but I still generate some income in the meantime? Does that help me bridge that gap and still get to my goal when I want to? Because in the end, you don't you don't really want to compromise that end goal, but you don't want to deprive yourself all along the journey and not have experiences that matter to you. That brought up one of my questions is if I'm taking a sabbatical, so let's say from work, I have a sabbatical program or something like that, can I earn money during my sabbatical? So that was going to be one of my questions. So can I still earn income or they're like, no, that's not allowed? It, it can really depend on your place of employment. So it's, so that's a part of planning, right? You need to be very aware of your employer's policies. Um, some, I, I know some people in education have options of, of taking some time off um, and then it can depend on the different employer. Do, do they have a certain say in like, do not kind of non-compete clause, if you wish, um, to not do that. So that's important. But most places of employment don't. If you're taking a sabbatical, they're not really looking at what you're doing in the meantime. Um, so that's a good thing to know because you might want to pursue, as I did, to pursue entrepreneurship. Try out something that you've been wanting to see if it can work. It might be lower income. That doesn't necessarily cover all your costs, but you're experimenting and trying to figure out, will this work? Um, do I enjoy this? Is this the type of life and the type of and um, file life, if you wish, that, that I'm envisioning? Will this improve my quality of life? So it sounds like definitely a lot of planning goes into it. And I want to talk about that in a minute as far as getting prepared for that. But just a quick question, because again, I'm like a numbers kind of that big picture planner, but um, benefits. So if I have government, not government, employer benefits, I should say, um, do those still go through on a sabbatical? Am I paying for them? Do you, or is it like employer specific? 
it's it's pretty employer specific. I know for myself, um, it it was funny enough. I I got different answers from different pay advisors. Some would say, "Oh no 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 no, you you have the first three months, otherwise you have to pay into it." Um, I was I'm in a le- very lucky position that my spouse is also employed in the federal government, so I could at least have that as a backup option. Um, I ended up having my my benefits without my knowledge throughout uh, because I I bought back the time. Uh, but it varies, and that's another important part of looking into what are the policies, what is available. I've I've had some clients that took sabbaticals and had to pay into, but they could. It was worth the cost, right, to pay about like two hundred dollars and be covered for the full year. Um, so it's very important to look into that as well. Obviously, there's the number side of things, which we've kind of been talking about, but what are some tools and resources that can help plan support that mindset shift? Because obviously there's a big mindset we identity as far as our work goes, um, but what are some of those tools to help with the mindset shift? Great question. There's there's really those two sides, right? The, fi- the financial aspect and the mindset and some, right, the, knowing that you're financially secure will play into that mindset. That is going to help a lot. Um, in my case, it's interesting because I I took my sabbatical much faster than I had planned. Um, we had done our 10-year plan when I was pregnant with my first child. So we knew we wanted to have more time off during while they were young. And we wanted to eventually take the summers off when they would start school. Uh, turns out that the pandemic hit in 2020 when my, my son began kindergarten um, everything changed. My job it became very, very more uh, stressful. But I was lucky that I'd already been reflecting on transitioning to entrepreneurship. Um, I had started coaching people. Uh, friends and family would come to me and ask me for, for financial uh, insight on, on their own plans. And I found this passion. It became my side hustle all the while pursuing financial independence. Uh, And I had this idea that maybe I don't have to wait until I'm fully financially independent to switch into entrepreneurship. So back in 2018, after coaching now people that reached to me from the blog and and new people, I I decided, well, this is a business. I need to be more serious about this. And I hired a a business coach, uh, Jillian Johnsrud, who's in the financial space, someone who's been there. Um, who's experimented with with sabbaticals and mini retirements before being financially independent. So I could tap into her knowledge around business, but also her knowledge and support around the idea of taking time off. That's what I was heading towards. Um, But then the pandemic hit. So I already had this support system built into where I could go back to what I was starting to plan for three years down the line and, and bring it closer to my timeline. So I'd say support, community support. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be a coach per se, uh, but just interacting with other people that are participating in such events like this summit, um, going on the, the Canadian Ladies Facebook group run by uh, Jolie, who's a financial coach as well, uh, the Women's Personal Finance Facebook group, the Choose Fi. It's all places where you'll find people that have these similar types of out of the norm ideas and can understand, have been there, can support you and share ideas, their own experiment experiences and, and kind of answer your questions. Um, so that's a huge tool. Um, I'd say also working through your limiting beliefs. You mentioned it, Maria, how people identify a lot with their work, uh, it cause a lot of fear. Anything that goes towards taking um, 
or having an impact on your ability to cover your livelihood and, and make money can cause a lot of fear and financial insecurity and worries. So I suggest taking a timer, 10, 15 minutes, writing all of your limiting beliefs, all the fears that you have about this idea and this desire to take time off. And then once you're done, and the reason why you do the 15 minutes is because at first there's a lot of resistance. Then you kind of work through it. You push yourself and you get into the deeper limiting beliefs, uh, the things that are tied to your identity, uh, worries about social opinion of going against the norm, all of this. It all comes out and, and it's helpful. It's a reoccurring ex uh, exercise, I'd say. I still do it time and time and again. And then you work through those fears, figure out what can I do to mitigate these? What have I done in the past? Is this true? What could I do if this happens and create a bunch of contingency plans to support that mindset shift and help you see the true amongst all the different opinions that might be coming towards you and, and the worries that others will kind of extrapolate themselves towards you because people have limiting beliefs too about this idea. So also it goes into why the community is so important. If you're surrounded by people that have done it, they, they work through those beliefs while your normal circle might not, might not have considered even a sabbatical. So they have to work their own limiting beliefs. And I think it's also like, if you haven't been with people around it, sometimes it's not necessarily their limiting beliefs. It's also that jealousy piece. Like, well, why do you get to do that? And I'm not there. So they, if they project that on, I find I've, I've had that before kind of thing. So I understand that. Should you be worried about the break in time on your resume? Or is it becoming more socially accepted to just be like, yeah, most people are taking like adult gap years, essentially? Great question. And it's funny because I, I stumbled on a Twitter thread yesterday, which was an employer, uh, well, a, a potential employer, somebody was interviewing, and they asked about a three week gap on the person's resume between uh, two jobs, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, an excellent sign of a place of work where you might not want to work because their balance of work life balance is is completely off. Um, it's not necessarily of their business, especially at three weeks out. But if we're talking like one year, it's understandable that the question might come up or even several months or so. And I think there is a lot of value to being an employee that can check in with theirself and say, oh, I needed to pursue this opportunity. I, I was able to try something different. I needed this work-life balance at this time of my life. I planned it um, for my employer, all of that. Another, it's it's a good reason of why not to burn bridges too. When you do leave, even if you don't think you're going to come back to your place of employment, it's important to leave on good terms, maintain your contact network, and, and just have options in case you need referrals, and in case you'd like another opportunity. It opens up a lot of doors, so that gap can be a true asset. Even myself, in um, when I was studying in college, I always had jobs, but I had a gap of six months because I took a semester. I did a semester abroad in Peru. This turned out to be one of my biggest assets in, in every every single job interview. They've talked to me about this. We're super impressed. Oh wow, that's amazing! You did this. It was never a question of like, oh wow, you are lazy. You took you couldn't have you worked while you were abroad, or I don't know. Anything, even if it's not traveling, you're showing that you were capable of planning, informing your employer and taking the time that you needed. And they'll 
see that or a good employer will see that as an asset of this is a person that will communicate to me their needs that is intuitive to what they when they might need time off or so. And I think that's a good example as far as it is becoming more acceptable and realizing, look, I took it, I planned for it. I wasn't just like leaving and being open with that. I think that's a really good twist about making that as a strength. And I can't believe somebody would question about three weeks. I mean, how many times it sometimes it doesn't even line up with one job like that just seems crazy to me. But hey, whatever. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So let's get into the personal example side a little bit. So as someone who has taken a sabbatical, which you have, what was something that surprised you? Definitely the, I call it the productivity beast. (laughs) It's the fact that we've been programmed so much to be productive from school, college. Oh man, college was crazy. And, And then our careers, it's just go, go, go. Um, I, when I had like all these ideas, right, my, my, my main objective was to work part-time on my business, cover my cost of living and be available for the flexibility needs of living in a pandemic with young kids of school age. Um, I had two kindergarten starts back to back because my kids are less than two years apart in a pandemic. So it was a lot. So I knew, okay, I want to take this easy, but the, but when I started the sabbatical, I said, I'm going to declutter my home. I'll start with decluttering my home in like two weeks. So completely unrealistic. I have all this time and I can do it. So I ended up being sick the second week of my sabbatical and resting. And then you're like, it's okay. Now I have my business projects. I'll go slower with the decluttering. It's And then I would burn myself up uh, on, on different projects and try to fill up all the time because we've been so conditioned to go, go, go. So that took a lot of energy, a lot of reminding myself why I wanted to slow down, why I wanted the sabbatical. So that's another another place that demands your attention is being very clear on what will be your priorities when you do take your sabbatical. And then it's continuous work to reassess, look at your time management, because no matter what, we, we won't be able to do all that we want to do. It's about prioritizing what matters. And even if that is time to relax and enjoy and recover from those those years of pandemic, we're, we're tired. It's, it's normal. It's not uh, it's not a usual lifestyle we've had these last two, almost three years now. So definitely that that was a surprise. <laughs> uh, what's something you wish you had known in advance that you could have planned for maybe? Well, this idea of like setting myself boundaries and knowing why am I doing this and that it's going to take deliberate effort to do. I think I underestimated the workload, maybe. I don't want to say workload because it's not work, but but all that goes into living a really intentional life and putting your values forward. Because I went into this from a fire perspective where I'm saving 50, 60% of my income for several years, even though I had taken like smaller career breaks. I took a one month to visit Mexico. That was January, 2020. Very lucky in my timing. So that, that had helped me kind of practice and experiment, but I may have wanted to experiment at home, right? Because now we were in the lockdown. It's not the same thing as if you're traveling and being away for a short period. So so it might've been nice to take a couple of months off during just the time we were around at home and not and, and fighting against that urge of like wanting to do get everything done because it's normal that not everything gets done. There's 
the usual in the day, even if you don't have your nine to five, it's there's there's still a lot to do. I don't think you ever get everything done there. The list is never ending, right? I've had those same ideas on mat leave as like towards the end of mat leave when the kids are pretty good. And it's like, I'm gonna do all these things. And then it's like, I just want to stay in bed and read all day, <laughs> you know, so I get that. And that's fine, right? Like, it's okay. And that if, if our body needs this recovery, especially when on mat leave, oh my God, I can so relate with that. <laughs> Even trying to read sometimes on mat leave, you're like, I'm too tired for exactly. this. Is there a certain kind of book you can yeah. read that doesn't take a lot of mental energy? So are there any mistakes someone should avoid when they're starting to plan for a sabbatical? Good question. I'd say getting discouraged too fast. Because a lot of people, and I, I see this with my clients, they come to me and they say, well, I have uh, this significant high interest debt. Um, once they, they kind of tally all where they're at, there's my spending. Oh my gosh, I'll never be able to take a sabbatical. I'll never be able to do this. And they just get discouraged. I, I think there's always value to reflecting and exploring something that brings you joy and that can that that seems very appealing to you even if you're far away from the objective you're not going to you're not going to lose out by trying to plan for it um, anything with your finances is pretty much trying to bridge those gaps, bridge the gap between your income and spending, either reducing your spending, increasing your income or both will help you save more, pay off more. And that's the same with the objective of a sabbatical. You're just trying to get there at one point and, and planning can help you set stuff in place. As I mentioned earlier, where I started working with somebody who had taken sabbaticals, um, even if it was long down the road, because we don't know what might happen. We might have, as I experimented, uh, the pandemic and everything, but there might be a shift in your manager that creates that your your workplace is not as enjoyable. Anything can happen. And if you've been working and you have an idea of when you might be able to take a sabbatical, you might then shift a few little things, um, say, reduce your spending to get down to more bare bones budgets so that you can have some time off, find a different place of employment in that example, or at least take an opportunity that comes up or leave a bad situation. So there's never a wrong time to be looking, planning and exploring your options because in the end, your money's supposed to support a life that, that you truly want to live. And that goes for the journey as much as the end goal. I'm inspired. I think you've inspired some people. They're watching this. They're like, yep, I'm inspired. I want to take a sabbatical. I want to start planning. What is the first step they should take? Or maybe the next step? Like what, where do we go from here? I would say there's the money piece, as I mentioned, right? The financial clarity and trying to look into um, where are we at and then side by side with why do I want to take my sabbatical to make sure that the goal matches and you're supporting those ideas and those goals and objectives and not just finding a way to take a sabbatical that doesn't necessarily match or doesn't give you free time. Or if you uh, say I'm taking a sabbatical to your work and they say, oh, why don't you work on this research project for us and we'll pay for your sabbatical and all that. Maybe if you wanted time off and time to recover, that doesn't match the objective. So I'd say step one really the financial clarity tied to the why do I want to take that sabbatical and what, where am I going to focus on? I love that. The clarity piece is always so important. Now you've got something to share for us in terms of clarity. What do you have to share for us today? I'm sharing my financial clarity guide, which is a fun, uh, there's like the guide, which is a PDF and you have an accompanying spreadsheet. The guide walks you through how to fill up your own numbers in your own copy of your spreadsheet to figure out where do you currently stand? What's your 
your phone number and when are you planning on retiring, all of that. And you kind of follow this guide to fill it out, figure out where are you at now, right now. And I have a six-day email course that accompanies it and it walks you through how to fill it up, kind of pokes you, hey, did you fill it up? Here's where we're at. Here's what people regularly struggle with, but also what, how to kind of define your goals, figure out your gap and where to go next. It's a really cool tool. And and through the emails, you can be in contact with me. So if there's anything you get lost in the Excel sheet or you mess up a formula, I'm happy to fix it. It's no, it's no problem. So I'm available for that and happy to, to help you get your own financial clarity. Awesome. So you can just click that button there and get that from Mel. So thanks, Mel. I want to thank you. Um, if you watching this are thinking about taking a sabbatical or a career break, um, make sure to connect with Mel, sign up for that clarity guide. Make sure you can find her on her website as well. All the links will be there. If you want to watch this again, because you're thinking, oh my goodness, so many good pieces of information. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Maria. Joy, everyone.